Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Hey there, I'm Cap, along with the Breeze Man, Joel Brzezinski, Mike Kapler here, and this is Growing in Grace, once again, looking at the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, going around the world, thanks in part to people like you who are out there sharing our podcast, more people finding out about it, and uh, that's a good thing, because I think what we've got to share is designed to help people further their understanding of how much God has loved us, and he demonstrated that. Even while we were still sinners, he demonstrated it through Jesus Christ at the cross. Hi, Joel. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. (laughs) And yeah, uh, this good news going out around the world, and we did uh, just recently uh, wrap up with three weeks uh, with our special guest, Dr. Andrew Farley. And uh, as we say often on the program, it's usually so that you can get context. Uh, we say go back and listen to our you know, past couple or three podcasts. Well, this time, go back because it was so good and encouraging to hear Andrew Farley talk about this uh, gospel of God's grace. And so uh, the last three podcasts were on that. And before that, we were getting into uh, the subject of, uh, you know, Jesus had said, You are the salt of the earth. And now, uh, so we definitely want you to go back to that one (laughs) to get some context for what we are going to be talking about today. And maybe we'll uh, summarize since it has been, you know, four weeks. Yeah, if you're looking for it at growingandgrace.org, it would be back about four weeks, like Joel said. Just a a real quick recap or a rebreeze, if Joel were talking right now. I don't know if that went over your head or not, Joel, but never mind. The breeze blows where it will. That's all I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You and the Spirit have so much in common. Um, It's riding the wind. (laughs) Christopher Cross. Okay. The salt of the earth. You had to bring the cross into this, didn't you? I know. (laughs) Man, we're getting so off of this. I love rabbit trails. They're so great. Um Jesus said, you are the salts of the earth. Well, Easter's coming up. Rabbit trails. There's another rabbit trail in and of itself. When he he said, I'm trying to stay on point here, but it isn't working. When he he said, you are the salt of the earth, the thing that we talked about several weeks ago was, that was not directed at you and, and I, you and me, under the new covenant. It was directed at the people to whom he was talking to at that time, his Jewish audience, because you see, salt was covenant chatter. It was covenant talk, not new covenant stuff, but old covenant. And we went through some of that without going through all of it again. I think the one thing I wanted to point out here, Joel, was that when Jesus said to the Jewish people there listening to him, as he was getting ready to, and he was actually already beginning to teach the law of Moses, he said, you as the salt of the earth, the problem here, guys, is when when the salt has lost its flavor, then it's not good for anything anymore, except to be thrown out. Now, that didn't sound like a very encouraging thing. And who in the world would want to be labeled or identified as the salt of the earth when Jesus just said, you're not good for anything except to be thrown out because the salt lost its flavor? Why did it lose its flavor? Because the the people were at fault, we find out from the book of Hebrews, 
under that old covenant, there was fault that was found. The fault was not with the covenant, however. It was with the people under that covenant. They could not live up to the demands of the covenant, and that law that came from the old covenant required perfection. And so Jesus was saying, You're, you know, the salt's not good for anything anymore except to be thrown out. Fortunately, God loved the people enough to say, I'm not going to throw you out. I'm going to throw out, even though the covenant was not at fault, I'm going to put that aside and I'm going to replace it with something new and better, a new covenant, a better covenant established upon better promises. So that's one thing I wanted to point out. I don't know if you want to follow up with something there. Well, and he, yeah, when he's talking about telling them that they are the salt of the earth, you know, often, of course, we, we just pick up our Bibles and open this up and think that he's talking to us, Christians. But you brought out the, you know, the, the true context there, that he is speaking to his fellow Israelites. Because as we brought out from Galatians, I think that the last time uh, Jesus was born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. So his ministry first was to Israel was to his fellow Jews. And so you are the salt of the earth. That's Israel. You are the light of the world. That's Israel. Uh, let your light so shine before men he's, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He's talking about those people under that covenant. I know that this is, you know, this might be new for people. It's something that might be hard to wrap your mind around because we have always applied these things to Christianity. But he goes on. You see, Jesus isn't changing direction here. He keeps going on as we look in Matthew 5 when he says, you are the salt of the earth, and he says these other things. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Who was it that had the law and the prophets? It was Israel. (laughs) And he goes on talking about whoever breaks the least of these commandments. And he says, for I say to you, in verse 20, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. That is pretty strong talk right there. He's getting really strong. He's showing these people just how harsh it is to be under that covenant that they are under, the one where they are the salt, where they are the light. You've got to do this thing not just good, but you got to do it better than good. You got your righteousness has to exceed that of the people who are doing the best at it. And he goes on, you know, he says, the law says you shall not murder, and, and whoever murders is in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. My goodness! They thought, well, maybe, yeah, we're the salt of the earth. I, you know, we're salt. We're doing pretty good here. But hold on, if, if you hate somebody, you're in danger of, of uh, hellfire. And it's not just if you commit adultery, but if you look at somebody with lust, uh, you've already committed adultery in your heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Or if your right hand causes you to sin, chop it off. All this stuff. Jesus is not giving them a nice Christian teaching. <laughs> he's, uh, he's telling them just what it is to be the salt of the earth, and I think one by one, they might have started understanding what you were talking about, Cap, that, that as Hebrews uh, goes on to tell us, all that they find under this thing is that they're at fault, uh, and that uh, the salt indeed has lost its flavor. Yeah, and, and you pointed it out well. I mean, Jesus just got done talking about salt, and then he went on to talk about the law. So we, we, we've got the same context going on here. And what Jesus is doing with what you were just talking about, murder, 
anger, and, and so on. What, what he's doing is what the law was meant to do from the beginning. You see, because if we get it in our heads that God gave the law to Israel to try to give them something that would help them live an acceptable lifestyle to God, then we've misunderstood why that law was given. Um, it wasn't given to try to help people live a moral, acceptable place before God. It, it just wasn't. It, it was there to show them they could not do it, and it was designed to point them to Christ. Paul said in Galatians, the law was a tutor to lead people to Christ, to lead people to faith in Christ. And once faith has come, we're no longer under that tutor or under that law. And so Jesus is talking to these Jewish people, trying to help them understand the high hurdle that needs to be jumped in order to be able to be accepted by God through that covenant of law. And we know that he's teaching the law here based on not only what we've already said, he's not changing the rules. I think some people have used that phrase sometimes, Joel, that Jesus came to, to change the rules. And he's not doing that either. He's just, he's elevating the law so that people can see it better. He's magnifying it. He's shining a light on it so that people can see it for what it really is. And the reason we know that he's not changing the rules or adding something to it to make it even harder, why, why would Jesus come up with a, another Christian law that was even harder than the first one that nobody could keep? It <laughs> doesn't make any sense. That's a good in, point. Yeah, well, in Deuteronomy 12.32, under the law, God stated that nothing shall be added or taken away from it. You see, because it's a package, it, it, it's a bundle. We don't have the luxury of breaking these up we, we can't take the chicken and turn it into chicken nuggets and just eat what we want to. Um, it, it, was, it was designed to all be together, all 613 laws, including the first 10, uh, but we, we don't break it up. It was a package deal. It's an interesting thing, Joel. I haven't checked every translation, but some of the main translations, like New American Standard, New International Version, go look up the word laws, L-A-W-S, in the New Testament. I think you'll find it twice both referring to the laws of God under the new covenant, the law of liberty, the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the law of faith, Hebrews 8 and Hebrews 10. Other than that, it's, it's referred to as the law because all of these different laws, hundreds of them, were bound together in the same package, not to be divided up. Right, it's all the same, and if you don't, if you break one, uh, you've broken the whole thing. And they were commanded to keep all of them; otherwise, uh, they if they if they broke even one, they were under the curse. But you know, I like that thing. You know, we we think that Jesus was bringing us uh, something new and fresh for us to follow. But <laughs> like you said, if uh, if they couldn't keep the law in the first place, why would he make it even harder? As if now they're going to be able to keep it. I mean, that's just kind of foolish thinking. But uh, I like, you know, our guest, Andrew Farley, uh, he has uh, termed the Sermon on the Mount as Moses 2.0. It's Moses was, you know, the law, the law of Moses. And here Jesus is just bringing out more and more of what Moses was really talking about, uh, getting to the heart of the law, not the heart of the gospel. See, Jesus wasn't preaching the gospel here to Israel. He was teaching the law. He was teaching the bad news. Uh, because uh, as we find out from Paul, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul was pretty plain and clear about what happened through the law. Just real quickly, 
I've got a list here that I refer to often. Ephesians 2 says it was enmity with us. The law was against us and contrary to us. That's Colossians 2. It condemned people, 2 Corinthians 3. It put people in bondage, Galatians 4. It made people guilty, Romans 3. And it stopped mouths, Romans 3 again. It imputed sin to man. It didn't help man overcome sin. It charged sin to man. Romans 7 says it aroused sinful passions that bore fruit to death. Through the law, sin abounded. That's Romans 5. And uh, Romans 7 says that through the law, sin revived. It was brought to life. It sprang to life, and we died. See, that, that's the ministry of the law, and that's what Jesus was doing here. He was showing these people what the law really does, and uh, they could see then that they were coming really nowhere close to keeping this law that they thought that they were really keeping. And so this uh, ministry uh, of Jesus to the Jews was uh, what uh, a friend of mine recently termed as uh, you know, crowd-thinning, the crowd-thinning words of Jesus. He would uh, give these sermons that thinned the crowds out. And we sometimes think that, uh, at least I've heard people say, Jesus was making it harder, and so you know he, he could find out who was really going to stick with him. But really, <laughs> he was showing the true spirit of the law. And having said all of that, and Joel, you said a mouthful there about the law, the law, again, like the covenant, wasn't the problem. We have a great admiration, a great respect for the law. And we're going to talk more about this and some other things that Jesus said in this sermon regarding all of that. I hope you'll join us next time right here on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.